If you missed last week, we want to make sure that everybody hears and knows and understands that 2021 is going to be different than 2020. 2021, we have declared and made the decision. We are committed to have fun in 21. But there are some people who didn't get the memo. On December 38th, 2020, there were some fools who decided that they're going to rush Capitol Hill, that they're going to go into the Capitol and just kind of have all of these kind of crazy things going on. Now, it's not everybody who was there, but there were a handful of crazy people. That was perfect for 2020. But now it is January. We're no longer in December 38th. We've moved forward, and we're going to kind of have calm and rational thoughts and processes, and then something happened over the weekend. Social media giant, the leaders of Facebook and Instagram and Twitter decided that they were going to mute, that they were going to ban a sitting president. Now, you can think whatever you want of Trump. This is not a pro-Trump message. This is not a pro-Trump thought. All I'm going to say is that when a group of people can ban a president from using a platform, there's some kind of issues that need to go on there. And what I'm afraid of is not what's going to happen to the president or Trump or what he does or doesn't deserve. What I'm worried about is that some Christians are going to be silenced, that some Christians are going to get muted, that the message of the gospel, which is way more offensive than anything you're going to hear out of Washington, might be muted. And what I want us to do today is understand that it is our job not to be silenced, but to be vocal in the message of the good news. I want to make sure that we understand that as followers of Jesus Christ, not only are we to receive the gospel, not only are we to live out the gospel, we are to proclaim the gospel. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in Mark chapter 4. We're going to be talking about a parable that is very familiar. In fact, it's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. We've talked about it in Mark or Matthew in a different perspective about almost two years ago. But today we're going to be looking at the idea of sharing our faith and hoping that it sticks, that it could take root. Now, in a week or two, we're going to be talking about not just the idea of the sower, but the idea of those who receive the seed, where today we're going to be talking about evangelism and sharing our faith. In a week or two, we're going to be talking about discipleship and making sure that that seed takes root within our heart and our life. Mark chapter 4 starts off and it says this. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. Now, the context here is that Jesus had already performed miracles. Jesus was already known. People were following him, and so he gets to a point to where these large crowds are all around him. It says the crowd, to, the crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and set, in it, set it out into the lake. And so Jesus is there, all these people are here, he couldn't get a, a breath, and so he just gets in a boat and pushes himself back. While all the people were along the shore at the water's edge, he taught them many things by parable. And in his teaching, he said, listen, this is a word to those who are following him, listen, I want you to pay attention, all of y'all, I've been teaching all these things, listen. He's going to let them know that although he is proclaiming his word and his message and his truth to them, it's not going to take root with everybody. It says, listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. And as he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate it up. Some fell in the rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly, quickly because it was, the soil was shallow. 
Continue on verse 6, it says, But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and withered because they had no root. Other seeds fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil, and it came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears, let him hear. So he starts off teaching the crowd in this parable. He says, listen. And he's talking about his word, the, the gospel, the, the good news. He said, some of you are going to hear it. It's just going to bounce off. Some of you are going to hear it, and it's going to spring up, and then it's going to go away. Some of you are going to hear it, it's going to get choked out. Some of you are actually going to hear and receive. As he's done teaching, he gets with his disciples in verses 10 through 13. And just like many people in the crowd, they don't understand everything. They're like, Jesus, please explain this parable to us a little bit more. And that's where we pick up in verse 14. It says, the farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and take away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word, and at once they receive it with joy. But they have no root. They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Verse 18, still others, like seeds sown among the third thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke out the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. When you see this, you can see God's unique perspective on sowing seeds. You can see God's perspective on sharing the good news. He said that seeds were scattered on the path, on the rocks, on the thorns, and on the soils. And if you've ever shared your faith, you understand that seeds that are sown are to be sown at all times. The Great Commission gives us this instruction where it says, Go ye therefore into all the world, baptizing, making disciples. Whenever you think about this, that word go is the same mentality and the same picture that Jesus is giving us in this parable. That word go is a present active indicative, which I'm sure all of y'all know what that means. It's the idea that it is constant and ongoing, right? That as you are going, as the sower is living his life, as the follower of Christ is living his life, make sure you're scattering seeds. Make sure that as you live your life, when you're around your friends, you're scattering the seeds of the gospel. As you're around your, your relatives, you make sure that you're sharing the gospel. When you're at work, you make sure that you're casting the seed of the good news to those that you work with. When you're in your neighborhood, when you're around your neighbors, you share the good news of Jesus Christ. When you're at the grocery store, the department store, whenever you're out and about, you make sure that you're sharing the good news as you are going. And understand that some of those seeds are going to hit a path and they're just going to bounce off. People will not receive it. Or as soon as they hear that message, Satan will come in and take them off. Seeds will fall on rocky paths. And you'll see this, that they will spring up, but they'll die quickly. Whenever the heat comes at them, whenever they're persecuted, whenever they have opposition, they'll walk away from their faith. Throw the seeds whenever you're in thorny places. When life is coming at you, when life is hard, 
Or maybe whenever there are desires for other things, understand that seed may not take root, but you cast your seed in the rocky, thorny place. And then he says, and then there's good soil. You make sure you cast your seed on good soil because it will produce a crop. And I love how this passage just makes it clear that as we are living our life, as we are proclaiming the good news, as we are casting seed, that for some of us, as we share the good news of Jesus Christ with others, our crop will produce 30-fold. Some it will be 60-fold. Some will be 100-fold, which begs the question, what is the produce of Christ in your life? Who exactly are you leading to Jesus Christ? Who are you sharing your faith with? When you get to heaven, you're going to look around you and see all these people that you led to Christ, you're going to see missed opportunities. Will your friends be next to you because you cared enough to share the good news of Jesus Christ with them? Or will you be isolated trying to meet new people that you never shared Christ with? There's this clear understanding that regardless of where you are or what you're going through in life, we are to share the good news of Jesus Christ. And the greatest thing about this, when we look at the passage, I think, is that the sower never changes, the seed never changes, just the condition of life changes. There's this implication that's quite clear whenever we see it, that we might go through different trials in life, but we are to continue to share and to proclaim the good news with the world around us. And I can tell you this, there are a lot of people who put their faith in Trump. And Trump is no longer going to be their president in a few days. They're going to realize that hoping in man had no chance at all. Other people are hoping in Biden. They're going to see as Biden continues to stumble over his words and statements, and as he makes mistakes here and there, and as his policies don't save the world, they're going to find out that, that hoping in Biden was the wrong place to hope. The problems of our world will not be saved by a politician. Jesus is not for right or left, liberal or conservative. He has a kingdom agenda. And people in our world desperately need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. If 2020 taught us anything, it taught us that there is a clear need for a hope of the gospel. And the sower is not to change and the seed never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the word of God is unchanging. Jesus, the word who became flesh and dwelt among us, is what we are to be proclaiming and sharing to everyone around us. Verse, four, or verse uh, 3, I think, says, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Verse 4, the farmer sows the word. Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. This is the message for the believer that as we live, we are to sow our seed with the world that desperately needs it. That we are to proclaim the good news. And what we need to understand in this is that there is a process by which people come to faith in Jesus Christ. There are several books that are, are written on this. A book called Sowing, Reaping, and Keeping says it takes 5 to 19 positive Christian experiences for someone to want to receive the gospel. Somewhere between 5 and 19 encounters with followers of Jesus Christ to where the message becomes believable in their life. When people can see how Christians act different. How they're not pro-Trump or pro-Biden, but they're pro-Jesus. How they're not pro-things of this world, but they can have hope and despair. 
that the light of Christ can shine through the darkness of this world. People see them and say, I don't know what is different about you, but man, I want it. Roy Fish, Dr. Roy Fish, the great evangelism professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary said this, it typically takes seven times hearing the gospel for someone to receive Jesus. Seven times. What we think is, well, I shared my faith once, I shared it with my friend, they didn't receive it, I'm moving on. Seven times is the typical amount of times that somebody has to clearly hear and understand the gospel before they actually receive Jesus Christ. Just research. The average length of time from someone hearing the good news to actually becoming a follower of Jesus Christ is four years. Sharing our faith is a process. And there are times to where you might be around a friend or a neighbor and you share your good news and immediately they receive it. But there are other times where people spend decades hearing the gospel, decades denying Jesus Christ, and then all of a sudden they, they click. The Holy Spirit quickens their soul to respond and they hear the good news of Jesus Christ. We need to understand it's a process. It's not one and done. It's a process. It's why our lives matter. It's why our lifestyle of sharing the good news matters because we don't know if we're the first positive experience that they've had or the 18th positive experience they have. We don't know if we're the first person to share our faith with them or the eighth person to share our faith with them. We must be mindful that there is a process by which people will hear, process, understand, and receive the good news of Jesus Christ. And I tell you what, there's a big problem that we have. I think that we have misunderstood what it means to be faithful and successful in sharing our faith. People are like, I don't want to share my faith. I'm always a failure when I share my faith. I want you to think of this in terms of sports. Did you know that if you were a baseball player and you could bat 300, if you were able to hit the ball three out of ten times, you would be successful? You would be considered so good that you'd probably be an all-star if you were in MLB. Guaranteed a spot on your team if you can hit. If you could make a jump shot from the three-point line, 30% of the time, you'll be considered great. If you could do it 45% of the time, you would be considered the greatest three-point shooter who ever lived. Odds that may or may not seem encouraging to you, that you could fail 70% of the time and still be successful. Did you know if you share your faith with other people, there is a 66% chance that you'll find yourself being successful. 66% chance. You've got to redefine in your mind what it means to be successful, though. Success is found in sowing. Success is found in scattering. Success for the believer is found in sharing the good news because it's not our job to win people. It's not our job to save people. That's the work of Christ on the cross. That's the work of the Holy Spirit in their life, in their heart. That's not our job. Our job is to simply share. And when you think about that 66% success rate, let me explain it to you quite clearly. If you share your faith and they accept Christ as your Savior, undeniably that's a win. That's one of the options that's always going to happen. Number two, if you share your faith with somebody and they say, you know what, I'm not sure what, what, I, what I think about this, but I'm going to think about it more, that is a success because that means the seed has been planted in their heart. If they look at you and they're like, no, nah, I don't want it, I don't believe in religion, I don't believe in you, I don't believe in any of this, 
where they might fail to receive Christ, you have still been faithful. A loss for them, but a win for you. 66% chance that there's going to be a positive outcome for them. 100% chance for the believer that you're being faithful and that you are successful in doing that which Christ called you to do. Redefine what it means to be successful as a follower of Jesus Christ. Share your faith. When I think about this, we need to not only understand aspects of the process, but there's something that I think is so very important for us. If we're going to be faithful to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we have to be committed to sharing our faith. As he was scattering seeds, according to Campus Crusade, 2% of believers, 2% of followers of Jesus Christ who identify with Jesus, 2% ever share their faith with someone else as they live their life. Only 2%. According to Promise Keeper, 90% of proclaiming Christians never share their faith. What that means for us, if we live out the statistics, is that somewhere between 90 to 98% of people who identify with Christ, who are members of First Baptist Rowlett, will never share their faith with anyone else. 90 to 98% will fail at doing the very commission, the marching orders that Jesus gave for the followers of Jesus Christ. God help us. May that not be the story of First Baptist Rowlett. I believe that we can do better. And so what we want to do is we want to give you tips for sharing your faith. We want to give you little things that can help you share your faith. One of the things that we do all the time is we look for creative ways that you can invite people to church. Things that are unoffensive for them to come and see what God is doing in our midst. I believe God is active and working within our church and I think it should be easy to want to invite people to church. So last week and this week we had these little invite cards and on they're, they're attached to a honey bun. They're taped to them. That way there's no puncture. That way people can be safe, right? Open it up with gloves if you need to. Eat your honey bun. You don't like a honey bun? That's fine. Give it to somebody else. But whenever you're talking about sharing your faith, inviting people to church is as easy as saying, hey, I got this thing, I just want to give it to you. In the coming weeks, you're going to see bookmarks that are going to be made available. On one side, they're going to have verses, and on the back side, they're going to have information on our church. In, in a week or two, you're going to have these honey sticks and on them, they're going to have a, a verse on one side. On the back side, it's just going to have the information about them being able to find our church, whether it's online or in person. And the reason that, that we do this is we don't want to be the 2 to 10%. We want the people in our church to let the Word of God take root in their life and actually do something to proclaim the good news with those around them. And you can invite people to stuff. Like we got home groups tonight, weather permitting. We've got... Super Bowl home groups that, that are coming up in a few weeks. Our students have, have the opportunity to invite their friends to disciple now. We've got vacation Bible school. We have events all the time that allow people to come and see what God is doing. And I can promise you this. When people come into this church, they will hear the message that they're made by God, for God, and God loves them so much that he died on the cross for their sin. Invite people. Use opportunities and social gatherings, things that we're doing together to invite them to church. Say, hey, why don't you come to church? You can sit next to me, and JJ's going to buy your lunch afterwards. Just invite people to the events that we have at church. 
Here's the second thing you want to do if, it, it, that you can do if you want to share your faith. Invest your time and resource into people. You know, we, we have opportunities all around to invest in other people legitimately. Like we know what it's like to have our friends who are sick. Surely by now everybody knows someone who has COVID. I know for us, if we find out that a friend is sick or maybe they've lost a loved one, we call them out, hey, can we bring you a meal? Is there anything we can do for you? Last night, Christy took a basket over to a family's house who lost a loved one this week to say, hey, we're thinking about you, praying about you, praying for you. What, what can we do to serve you? Maybe you've got a family member that you know is having a hard time. Maybe they're isolated. Maybe you say, hey, why don't you come over to my house? Maybe you go visit them. Maybe you've got somebody you work with, and you hear that they're struggling at home or in their marriage, and you just say, hey, I kind of see that there's something wrong. Is there any way I can pray for you? Maybe your neighbor doesn't want to go to the grocery store. Maybe you know they've been isolated. They, they've been all by themselves. People are going crazy in their homes. People are not only going crazy, they're driving their spouses crazy. Coming up with these weird conspiracy theories, finding only the bad that somehow everything in life is related to COVID. Maybe you call them up and say, look, I know you've been social distancing. Don't you understand? I've been social distancing. Maybe you can come over, maybe we sit on the back patio, maybe we have coffee or talk or hang out or do something. Just do something with your, with your neighbors. Maybe you're at Starbucks and you see somebody getting a coffee, maybe just say, hey, you know what? I just wanted to buy your coffee today. Invest in them. Get to know them. Invite them. Just be a part of their life and invest your resources into someone else. The simplest thing that you can do is inform them. Tell them about Jesus. Tell them that there is a God who loves them. Tell them that not only are they loved, but the Son of God, Son of Man, came and died for them. And understand there's reasons why people don't share. There's lots of reasons. Whenever I think about some of these reasons that, that people don't share, some people are unaware that it's their responsibility to share. And to that, all I can say is, really? Like, really? You, you think that it's the preacher's job? To be the only one who shares their faith? The marching orders for the church are not the marching orders for the pastor only. In fact, it's the job and the role and the responsibility of the pastor to make sure that everybody in the church knows it's their responsibility and to equip them to share their faith. When I first got here seven years ago, we did evangelism training on Sunday night. And then we moved evangelism training to Wednesday night. And then we're like, you know what? We're not getting enough people. And so we moved evangelism training into our connect groups. And every year we train people on how to share their faith. Because another excuse is people say they don't know how to share their faith. Even if you haven't been through faith evangelism training or share Jesus without fear or evangelism explosion or what we've been doing recently, three circles, you still have something in your back pocket to share your faith with other people that no one can argue. And that is your story about how Jesus saved you from your sins. You always have an undeniable, powerful, impactful thing that you can share. And that is what Christ has done for you. And if you don't have that story, chances are you don't know Jesus. And today, you need to receive Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Tell others about Jesus. And here's the other thing that we need to do. We need to seek opportunities to share our faith. We need to seek out sharing opportunities. I love the, the nature of this text, how the sower is just going. 
is man just scattering seeds. He just throwing seeds no matter where he is. When things are smooth, he's scattering seeds. And a lot of times when life is good for people, they don't receive it the right way. Man, he makes his little detour that he's got to go through, rocky places, he's scattering seeds. He doesn't say, oh, I, I got to watch where I'm going. I, I, can't, I can't share. He's just scattering seeds. Life is hard and difficult on him. He feels like he's getting choked out in life, but he's scattering seeds. He's where the, the, the land is able to receive the seed. That seed is able to, to germinate and take root. He's scattering seed no matter where he goes. That is a call for the believer. Please hear me. We must be intentional to share our faith. We got a, a message this week from one of our members who said, you know what? Could I come get more honey buns? I only took three. I should have grabbed maybe 10 of them. Monday morning, they were already out of honey buns. You want to know why? It's not because they're better at evangelism than you. It's that they took their honey bun and they're like, I don't want to eat that thing. I want to give it away before I get the calories on my hip because I'm trying to do good this year on my New Year's resolution. They were looking for opportunities to say, hey, friend, hey, relative, hey, co-worker, I want to invite you to church. Have this with your coffee. It is amazing what will happen when a believer looks at God, whenever they approach God and they say, Lord, please just bring one person into my life that I can share my faith with. Let me ask you a question. When is the last time you truly ask God to bring someone into your life to share your faith with? It could be as easy as at 11 o'clock, you put a little reminder on your phone that today at 11 or maybe 10.58, 10.59, you're going to share our services online with somebody. You send a text message and say, hey, I haven't seen you in church. You need to come join me in church. Where have you been? Hey, I, I hear you're driving your wife or your husband crazy. Why don't you come to our church? We're social distancing. We're, we're safe. Things are going good. You ought to come worship with us. Come to worship. It'll be a great time. Our church wants you there so much they created an extra service. They added 50% more work than what they were doing just so you could have a safe place to come worship. Come and worship. Really what has to happen, some people feel like they're unaware or maybe they, they are uninformed on how to share. The worst part about it, reasons or excuses why people don't share, and I think the most honest reason, they're just unwilling. They don't want to. They don't want to be uncomfortable by sharing their faith. So they do things like say, well, I tithe. Or I, I come myself, I brought my Bible to church, isn't that enough? Here's the reality, and this is what we believe as a church. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl was made for eternity. Jesus made us with eternity in mind. And what that means is that when we die, when our life is over on this earth, we're not done. When we breathe our last on this earth, we breathe our first in the presence of God in heaven or we breathe our first in a place called hell that is described with weeping and gnashing of teeth, a lake of fire separated from God and all of his goodness for all eternity. We're made for eternity. And what we need to realize is if we don't share our faith with those around us, if they never hear 
They don't go to some like weird cosmos. They go straight to separation from God Almighty in a place called hell. What we need to do as followers of Jesus Christ who have received the good news is care enough about others to make sure that we share our faith with others. And what I could do, rightfully so, is say, you know what, this is a challenge. I want all of you to share your faith at least once a day. We could make a challenge to where we're like, all right, here's what we want you to do. We want you to share your faith once a week. But for now, what I want to do is I want us to aim small, miss small. What we're challenging you to do this week or this month, in the month of January, is find one person to invite. Find one person that you can invest in. It should be easy. Somebody that you work with. Somebody you see on Zoom. Somebody that you live next to. Somebody you're related to. Find one poor person that you can inform. And whether you invite, invest, or inform, you make sure that you share your faith with somebody in the month of January. Make a commitment. Make a decision. Be intentional. If you've been paying attention to the, the outline, you'll see that it, it makes the word guts. First letter of each point. I think what we need to do is we need to be committed to be men and women of guts who will show up, who will speak up so people can see and hear that Jesus is real and he impacts our lives, that he transforms us, that he moves us from death to life, who whenever we have times of despair, he is there to redeem and restore us, that he gives us a peace that passes all understanding, that when the world is burning, we still have joy because our faith is not found in man. It is found in Jesus Christ, the Son of Man, who washes away the sins of the world. Make a commitment that you will share your faith with guts that you will be courageous and bold for the glory of jesus christ no matter the cost